The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. So welcome to the AI Today podcast. If you're a frequent listener, thank you so much for joining in and hearing another great interview that we have planned for you today. And if you're new, if you're listening to AI Today podcast for the first time, just want to let you know that this is the place to go, AI Today, to hear great interviews with AI thought leaders, insights into AI market trends and adoption into public and private sectors, and conversations on key topics focusing on what's happening with AI today and in the future. And again, if you're new to the AI Today podcast, you might not know this, but we've been doing this now for four years and almost 200 episodes. And we've interviewed some really fantastic people, AI influencers and thought leaders in the industry, government and research, including Ben Gertzel of SingularityNet and Sophia Robot, Colin Angle, the founder of iRobot, Anthony Scrifignano from Dun & Bradstreet, Igor Perisic of LinkedIn, Suzette Kent, the U.S. federal CIO, Jose Arrieta, who is a CEO of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Lord Tim Clement-Jones of the U.K. House of Lords, key people at the OECD, folks from Halliburton, from GlaxoSmithKline, from companies of all sizes, shapes, and forms all around the world. We've even interviewed someone at the city of Oslo about what they're doing with AI, so in Norway. So uh, lots of great interviews. You know, we also have spent a lot of time on these podcasts explaining key insights into the AI and cognitive technology markets and how different industries are playing AI. So listen to some of our use case series. We talk about AI in construction and in finance and in fashion even and what's happening mm-hmm. in food and lots of great industries and also emerging concepts in AI. We have done a whole series on the seven patterns of AI, which are worth listening to. And, of course, uh, other topics on machine learning. You should listen to something we just did on GPT-3, for example. So long story short, if you want to understand how AI is being put into practice today and where it is heading, please make sure to subscribe to AI Today Podcast on your favorite podcast provider, and you can listen to hundreds of our episodes, including bonus content that's available on AIToday.live. Yes, but we're so excited to have with us our guest today, Harish Dadi the CEO of Datatron. So hi, Harish, and thanks for joining us today. Hi, Kathleen. Thanks for having me. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at Datatron. For sure. Uh, So my name is Harish Jodi. Uh, I was uh, uh, working as an early employee in places like Twitter, Snap, and Lyft. Uh, worked with many, many data scientists in all these places and have really seen the data science uh, and AI journey uh, when these uh, companies are startups and now they are very big public companies. Uh, So almost like saw the journey from data scientist number one and saw how uh, uh, how the team grew over a period of time. And during this uh, uh, phase, uh, the way that the... AI practices are being done when you are when you have one team member as data scientist uh, versus when you have like hundreds of team members, uh, things change uh, as you need to adapt. Um, so uh, what I observed first thing was during this place uh, 
generally the data scientists then there are engineering organization data science organization they kind of operate in silos uh, and data science organization uh, typically the data scientists they are not necessarily coming from a computer science and computer engineering background unlike software engineers um so they are i have worked with data scientists coming from physics background chemistry background uh, mathematical statistical background and these people are extremely good uh, uh with the mathematical equations of the ai part uh, but when it comes to the whole production environment taking the models into production grade environments they have to work with the engineering and infrastructure side of the organization so just like uh, uh there is a concept called devops for software engineering uh there is also similar concept uh for machine learning operations and the ai operations um and that's where i see that today so many data scientists uh, they're very good modelers they have good amount of tools for modeling uh, but when it comes to taking the models to production grade environment uh there is not enough set of tools out there and that was a reason for me to start datatron because this was a pain point that i was facing uh in my past company that is definitely uh an issue that we have seen across the whole machine learning life cycle you know and and part of actually the reason why we've we've put together a conference the machine learning life cycle 2020 conference a good name for a conference focusing on the machine learning life cycle and we look at all these issues of you know it's not just about building the model um sorry machine learning life cycle 2021 i got to remember which year we're in uh, and if you go to mllifecycleconf.com uh you should be able to register for the event there and it's free to attend and datatron is one of our fabulous sponsors and you'll be hearing actually from Harish and others at datatron at that conference uh as well um but the part of the reason why we put the conference together is because you know you might think that the the primary challenge in artificial intelligence and making use of things like machine learning is building the model I and mean, training the model but it as you know as it turns out that that's really just the first step you know do these models work do they do what you're ex- they're expecting them to do and they need to evolve over time as your needs evolve as the data evolves as you know things change and and i think that has be, ha, now people are realizing the the challenge uh, that is in uh really that managing these models in production and and one of the things that Harish will be talking about is a trusted approach to something called mlops now we've talked about mlops in previous podcasts before but this whole idea of mlops is an really an evolving space so maybe uh, Harish if you can can you give our listeners a quick overview of what you'll be talking about this session some of the main questions and pain points that you're going to be addressing Yes uh so i uh, uh, the 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 session will be focused on giving a overview about how mlops is uh, operating in large enterprises uh particularly when you think of a a large insurance company uh, a bank a telecom company uh, or a retail company uh, there are several practices and approaches that are taken which might be contrary to the way things are done in the software tech companies um and also i i would like to give some overview and use cases uh, of real world use cases how certain um uh, customers are adopting ai scale and what are some of the challenges that they're facing when they go to production grade environments and particularly the the way uh, the collaboration between the data science organization 
and other organi- other parts of the organization engineering infrastructure devops uh, how are they how are they collaborating and what are some of the challenges that they are facing and some of the lessons learned uh, from uh, working with these customers be prepared ahead of time Uh, so these are some of the things that i'll be talking about uh, also we'll be covering what are some of the trends that we are observing with customers some uh, uh, some large enterprises and also some large enterprises what are some of the uh, the 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 things that they should have taken care ahead of time but then you know it were it, it kind of like they learned it in the hard way so that people can have a uh, overview of how what are some of the pain points that they have to be prepared and think of think it through for the future. That's great. I know that we're looking forward to that session. So hopefully people on the podcast as well check out the mllifecyclecomp.com and make sure to register for the event. It's free as always as all of our online events are, so we encourage you to check that out. Now, I know at Datatron you said you you know you focus with some larger companies um and the machine learning you know with managing models in general i think that this is something that people really need to start coming to terms with and figuring out how they're going to do that so can you share with us some of the challenges that you've seen companies face when they're looking to use their machine learning models in production uh yes uh, so generally what happens is there are different stages of uh, machine learning and ai adoption inside large enterprises uh, you may be having your first data science scientists first data science team but then as ai gets adopted more and more uh, these you have to think about scale you have to think about a lot of other teams operating so what we have observed is in large enterprises there are usually these vertical focused business units so for example a business unit is focused on a anti money laundering problem their focus will be developing uh, predictive models to counter anti money laundering and similarly there is another business unit who is focused on fraud and there is another business unit which is focused on uh, credit risk approvals so uh, when you talk about the ai adoption in large enterprises there is a lot of siloed environment and each of the siloed environment is completely diverse uh, the way things are done inside one business unit will be different from the way things are done in another business unit so what we observed was uh, it creates a lot of hidden technical debt into the into the organization if you don't take care of these things ahead of time um a classic example is uh, one of the one of the uh, organizations data science team they came up with a bunch of tools that they are comfortable with because that was that was what the models were developed in kind of like uh, uh the old traditional way of developing models but because of the way open source really blew out in the last 5 years there is a increasing number of teams who wanted newer technologies newer frameworks when they develop the models for example they want to develop models in tensorflow they want to develop models in scikit-learn it's no longer a closer system where you can tell the modeler to just develop models in a particular framework uh, so that is one of the biggest lessons uh, is in an enterprise as ai adoption goes at scale uh, the organization need to be prepared for diverse set of models with a open architecture taking models built in different different frameworks different tool sets 
generally when the organization is small or if the ai adoption is like in the infancy stages it's okay to uh, uh stick to one particular tool or a framework but as you uh, scale your data science team some people they want to develop models in a tool like fast some people develop models in r python uh, or some people like use commercial tools out there so it will be heavily diverse across the organization because for different different business units when they solve the problem certain frameworks will give them that advantage when for example when you develop an lp models you may have affinity to a particular framework when you develop a text based models uh, you may have affinity to some frameworks or when you develop a computer vision models you may have affinity it's very hard to have one single solution that can fit rather the enterprise should be adaptive on uh, uh, supporting more and more frameworks so that's one big lesson we have seen the second lesson we have seen is uh, the proper uh, practices need to be in place in production when you take these models because generally uh, what factors that you need to take care when you are doing software in production those factors are different for models so in a model life cycle is very different for a, from a software development life cycle because in a model development life cycle when you have models you are developing the model and you take the model to production these are the only two environments you have so when models have issues uh, you need to have a proper uh, uh, controls and and uh, monitoring controls in place so that uh, the 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 model can be accordingly changed and adapted for those scenarios versus in software uh, you have a software development environment a qa environment and a production environment which is pretty straightforward because when you are like looking for a button in a web page that's how the button would look versus a model the behavior of the model in a development environment you take some certain assumptions versus the behavior of the model in production environment it's not predictable it will change the classic example is last year the pandemic happened uh, and there was a lot of unemployment that got created and there was uh, also the elections that came so nobody would have imagined when they designed that model to according to all these conditions so that is why the model development life cycle uh, the way things work is very very different from a software development life cycle and that's why there is an ecosystem of tools and one of them is datatron and the third aspect is uh, we also observed that it's not just about operationalizing the models but it is also like managing the risk associated with those models in organization large organizations uh, because just like uh, there is a concept called governance and accountability for data there is also a very similar thing that we are observing uh, the concept of governance and compliance um, for 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 models as well because when you are models ultimately they are like nothing but bots they are taking decisions now when these uh, they, these models take decisions how do you bring accountability how do you manage the risk associated with this models because if your models uh, can cause business damage then you have to have a proper process in place in terms of uh, creating that accountability creating that uh, risk management across the organization uh, because these models when they can cause business damage the scale will be extremely high and it's something uh, that if you must have seen the apple card fiasco that happened a couple of years back uh, where uh, the apple cards were not being uh, issued 
because of gender bias discrimination. So that is something that's a big bad PR that happened. So these are some examples. Yeah, I mean, uh, we actually talked about that when the. Um when, when those cards were issued by Apple Card, it actually wasn't even Apple themselves issuing the credit. It was, I think, Goldman Sachs was their partner. Correct us if I'm, correct us if I'm wrong. I have to look up the research here, but I'm pretty sure something like that. And uh, what they were doing is they had their credit uh, model, which was trained on who knows what data. And so two people within the same family, you know, with literally basically the same shared income one person would be granted, actually usually the male, would be granted more credit on their Apple credit card than uh, the person's wife, their spouse, or, or other people in their family. And uh, yeah, they got a lot of trouble into that. <laughs> and that's because of uh, bias in the training model, perhaps, or some data. And there's a lot of conversation uh, about that. And you know, it's interesting you, you talk about that because sometimes people are aware of these these biases in the data, maybe they're aware of some of the ways in which the models work reliably, but maybe they're not aware. A lot of times they're not aware of, of ways in which the models can have this sort of operational risk. You know, here we were talking about a credit model, but it could be anything. It could be, you know, for insurance claims, you know, automatic, automating insurance claims. You don't want to have some sort of weird, you know, bias in there that's either approving claims or, or disproved or doing or the reverse, you know, um, lots of yeah. you know, models used in cybersecurity. So, so, you know, yeah. share, you know, maybe you could share some more yeah. insights about that. You know, how, how do we sort of tackle? Yeah, tackle I think, I think, I think uh, that's a very, very good point where you mentioned about cybersecurity threats. Uh, you know, it's not until you have a damage. That's when like people realize, oh, you know, that's a big damage that got caused. And then people try to find this, uh, solutions out there. Very similar thing is happening with models. When these models, they're ultimately bots that take decisions. Um, you, 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 when, whenever a model has been designed by a modeler, there are usually a model development period and a model production period. During the model production, model development pre period, you actually start the model uh, with some historical data, take some assumptions. Because generally, you have to have some assumptions on how that model is being developed, and you want to optimize certain things. But the question is, will the model behave the same way in production all the time? That's a complete uh, uh, question mark, because there are many, many factors that can impact uh, for that model decision. It can be as simple as uh, you know, the data that the model is being trained on versus the data the model is getting in production it might be just different. Or, you know, you are training the model for a particular age group, maybe like 25 to 30 years, uh, female, married, but you, the model is receiving requests in a completely different age group, and it is taking decisions all over the place. So uh, the, the, that, that's why there is this uh, whole model risk management. How do you manage this risk of these models in production? Because it's not like every decision that they take um, you know, uh, can have a big impact on the business. So recently, for example, we have uh, a customer, which is an e-commerce company. Uh, they, just like cybersecurity thread, one of their pricing models, so they show a different price for a particular item depending upon the user profile. So for example, if you're coming from California in a particular neighborhood, uh, the price will change versus if you're coming from a different neighborhood. 
Now, someone has like done reverse engineering of this pricing model, and that has caused a big business damage because uh, uh, items that were supposed to go for a higher um, profit margin got uh, uh, lowered uh, in the price. So that's why there are so many uncontrollable things or unpredictable things that can happen when you push the model to production. So operationalizing the model and managing it with proper uh, risk controls in place is the only way to go here. Uh, because if these models, the damage that can be caused at scale is very, very high. So you need a continuous automated system that is continuously uh, uh, operating, uh, monitoring, deploying. It's a continuous, like a, uh, like a CI-CD package, just like what software does. The only difference is with models, the damage is very huge and it can cause a, a adverse effect in the organization, um, just like cybersecurity threat. Uh, in the case of software, there is nothing like that because you know you show a button, you don't show a button. It's as simple as that. Versus you issue a, a, a item at a particular price, you can possibly quote the item for a very low price. And that is nothing but converting to business performance metrics. So that's why operationalizing models, um, how do you bring that standardized environment across the organization? Because if you do, if you, whatever, whatever process controls, whatever practices that you, you think of, it has to go across the organization. It's not no longer like only one specific team is adopting that, but more like you need to have these process controls, uh, proper way of, of managing the models and operationalizing them, governing them, and making sure is this model a risk to the organization? And if it is risk, can it be? Can can the business stakeholders get uh, be alerted ahead of time so that they can take decisions what they want to do? It's as simple as they they take the decision that the model needs to be retired because it's no longer valid in the current condition that the model is operating. Or it can be as simple as the model needs to be ad uh, adopted to the current conditions. Or you may want to completely roll back the model to a uh, previous versions, for example. So these are like a lot of business decisions. Uh, and that's where a, you know, uh, uh, a platform like Datatron really comes into picture, where we give that confidence to customers that you can uh, develop the model in any environment, but you use some, someone like Datatron to standardize the model environment for you. And we are the ones who operationalize and manage the risk and trigger alerts when models are out of alignment. Yeah. I, I think I think we're finding that this space of, of ML ops is definitely getting a lot more attention and getting a lot more interest. You know, of course from from enterprise end users and government agencies and organizations of all types, but of course also even the venture capital community and the investment community, we're seeing a lot more interest here because I think people are realizing exactly that, which is that uh, models have this this uh, life cycle, have this this iteration in order to keep them uh, relevant. So, uh, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about some of the challenges here. So, like, you know, we, we talked about, about we actually have really been spending a lot of time talking about the challenges, but but maybe you can add a little bit more because because we haven't really talked too much about standardized deployment or monitoring or governance and validation of machine learning models. So maybe you can, you've had some insights. I know you've seen some examples from some larger organizations, so maybe you can share some of those uh, here with our listeners. Yeah, definitely. Uh, <clears throat> I think uh, definitely, uh, you know, we, we 
we have customers in uh, in retail industry. We have customers in telecom and financial industry. What we are observing is uh, number one thing is the the whole uh, idea of standardization of the models. If you go into details, you need to think about from an enterprise level things like security. Like for example, who is accessing the model? Is this is this a right access for that particular model request or not? Uh, and also think about like things like um, how do you limit the visibility of the models to a certain set of users so that you you bring multi-tenancy across your organization uh, but have security. So for example, a team that develops models in a in in a in a one particular business unit, they may not have they should not have visibility into other business unit models. Because if they have access to that, then they can they can bring the bias against the model because they can reverse engineer the model. They can see that. Um, the second thing is, um, you know, a lot of business people, they want transparency in the model. And when I say transparency, uh, meaning like uh, what input variables are coming into the model, what output variables are going out of the model. And is this something uh, that, they are comfortable in taking the models because when these models, once they go into production, uh, the business stakeholders, they are accountable for the any damages that happen in the business. So they want to have as much comfortability as possible. So here is where, you know, for example, uh, because of uh, uh, regulations, for example, you cannot uh, incorporate certain fields. Uh, for example, you cannot design a model uh, by taking gender explicitly into the model. So that's where transparency really comes in. And similarly, in deployment of the models, um, you know, things like uh, how do you think about uh, disaster recovery, for example, or high availability? These are like very infrastructure-focused things. Um, so, for example, uh, if your model uh, is serving a particular set of users, but let's say for some reason the model went offline. Now, how do you think of... Uh, because you still need to serve your users, right? Uh, how what type of what type of backup plan are you are you going to have in place? For example, in Datatron, we have something called as uh, routing of models, where we have a concept called shadowing of models. So you have one model running, but you also have another model, like a backup model. So in case the first model has issues, the traffic gets automatically routed to the second model based on the routing configuration. Uh, and things like, uh, uh, you know, uh, what we observed is from an application point of view, uh, all the models should be abstracted out because is it one model giving the decision to the application or is it like more models giving that uh, decision to the application? That should be completely abstracted because from an application, imagine like a website calling your model or a, a mobile phone calling a request to your model. These are some of the things that uh, they, uh, the data, since the data science scientist organization completely operates in a siloed environment, they always want to experiment newer models and they want to, you know, increase the performance. But if they are too much tied up with the application people, they wouldn't get that acceleration. And that's where you have to create a proper abstraction between the application layer accessing the models versus the model development layer where they are playing with the model. How do you do that? So these are some of the things. But on top of that, what we also seen uh, is once you go live in production, a lot of things can happen wrong. 
so that's why for example uh, if you are if you are if your rack in the data center uh, is completely out because of a power outage uh, so we need to have replication for example proper replication or even like your models serving your end users uh, maybe they have uh, issues or like delayed uh, uh, increases the delayed in latencies how do you respond to them because it's as simple as someone is is uh, looking at at the at your application for the price but the price is like not loading because the model is, is spending a lot of time in calculations so these are some of the real world scenarios that you need to think and we have seen these scenarios where proper practices if they're not in pl- place uh, can cause uh, a, a a fair amount of damage yeah i can imagine <laughs> you know and i like how you also said oh you know a lot of things can go wrong when you actually put these models into production yes i think that is absolutely true so i know that you had a lot a lot to say on that question so thank you very much for that insightful answer um you know, and this has been an incredible podcast. We're looking forward to your participation at the Machine Learning Lifecycle Conference as well. I know that you guys will have a lot more to say there. We have some panels, some sessions with you guys, so we're looking forward to that. But we like to wrap this podcast up with asking each guest the same question because we get such a wide variety of responses, and we like to hear what people have to say. As a final note, what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations and beyond? Yes. Um, I, uh, so I think if you observe the trends has been that last few years, people have, uh, you know, really publicized that they invested in AI. But what really happened is they invested in hiring a bunch of data scientists to build models for different business use cases and do a lot of uh, offline analysis. I think the trend going forward is AI is going to get adopted a lot because the questions will come what is the ROI of this model to the organization? Uh, whether the ROI is in terms of dollars, you know, gaining new users or, you know, uh, meeting a particular target on the sales, it can be anything. So as AI gets adopted quite a lot in, in production scenarios, uh, there will be an increasing moment uh, of what if this model fails, the silent model failure, we call it. Uh, what is the impact of this to the organization? And because model failures are very, very different from software failures, right? Because if a model fails, everything might seem everything uh, might seem as easy, by the way. Uh, but versus if a software fails, maybe the website page is not loading. It's very visible. So how do you make sure that you think think it through in terms of different ways where a model can cause uh, impact on the business? So those are some of the things that you need to think it through because ultimately if a model or a bot fails uh, with a silent failure and it is probably causing uh, damage, unless someone goes there and really digs into the problem, you might not know, you know, there is a problem because everything might seem as if like, you know, things are working normally, your infrastructure dashboards, you're still getting requests, you're getting responses. But when it comes to models, the performance of the models is something that you have to continuously monitor. And that is where, you know, a, as I said, a lot of external factors can have impacts on the models. It's as simple as even there is a concept called dependency of models where 
the outputs of one model can be actually fed as inputs to another model through workflow this is actually a feature in datatron uh, so it can have cascading effects where downstream some model has issues but then it is it is going to create a cascading effect across the organization and you need to really understand where that root causes so what i believe that as in future as ai gets adopted large in enterprises um there has to be a proper standardization practices and proper practices in place to manage these models and have a proper uh, uh, accountability and risk governance across the models so when models uh, cause uh, some issues you have to have a proper trail what happened during that period of time and based on that what are the lessons the organization has learned and how can they avert that in future and that's where the continuous uh, governance mo- monitoring system has to be in place which is always watching the models and whenever the models have issues triggers alerts yeah i think that that that's really cool and i like some of these things that we talked about because we 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 we're starting to hear more and more about some of these ideas about having backup models which is really interesting and cool idea you know of 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 the understanding model dependencies um which which are really really great and i think a lot of this also we didn't didn't really have much time to talk about it here but maybe we'll save this for the panel not for the panel but for your talk <laughs> at the uh at the machine learning lifecycle conference we'll ask about things like transparency and explainability and and all that sort of stuff that people are also thinking about which is you know sometimes people want to know when models are not performing well you know, try to get some explainability in there. So we will save that, and hopefully that'll be a nice, long conversation. And we encourage a lot of our listeners here on the podcast to, once again, register for the Machine Learning Lifecycle Conference, mllifecycleconf.com, which is January 26th through 28th, 2021. (laughs) This month, if you're listening to it in January. Now, of course, if you're listening to this podcast you know, months from now, you know, uh, we do keep our events uh, up and available for folks to attend even after the live sessions are over. So you, so we keep them up for several months. You know, three months is usually how, how long we keep them up. So if you're listening to this even in February and March, you can come go to mllifecycleconf.com, register. It's free to attend, and you'll be able to listen to this session. And you can obviously always interact with the uh, with the presenters. We provide ways to, to, to reach out and contact the sponsors, and, and uh, the contact information is there. Usually you can find their LinkedIn and things like that on the site. So we encourage you to reach out and, and ask questions. But in the meantime, while you're hearing this podcast, the sessions are available live. As a matter of fact, this the podcast that you're listening to is live during the week of the conference. So you're hearing hearing this podcast while the sessions are going on. So I encourage you to tune in and uh, check out the sessions. So um, on that note, really wanted to thank Harish so much for joining us on this podcast, sharing your fantastic insights and experiences. Uh, we really enjoyed having you as a guest, and we hope our listeners really got a lot of value in listening to you today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. 
Yeah, thanks so much for joining us today. And listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes, as well as a link to our event, which I think we talked about eight to 10 times. So (laughs) please register, as well as um, a link to Datatron's website and also our ML Ops report. We talked about that at the beginning of the podcast. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica, all rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.